0: would invite you and encourage you to grab your Bibles from the chairs in front of you and turn to Luke chapter 12, or follow along in your own or on a device if you like to keep track. Uh, it will be up on the screen, but we will be uh, referencing a number of things in the text, and so um, if you like to follow along, I'd encourage you to do so. In the first verse of this chapter, we come across a kind of interesting word. It's the word trampling. And it seems a throwaway line at first. But as we look at the chapter, at least part of it, we're going to see that perhaps there's more going on with that word than first meets the eye. So let's, uh, let's begin God's reading, uh, the reading of God's word by uh, joining in prayer. Lord, these are your words, and we pray that by the power of your Spirit, You would speak to us through your word, to our hearts, to our minds, so that we might hear you. Remove the distractions. Help us to hear what it is that your spirit is speaking to the churches. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear of the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. And so I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you're worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven." But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Jesus said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he said to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, for this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Luke 12, if you have your Bibles open, is a really long chapter. It's 59 verses long. And if you have a red letter edition, you'll note that it is almost exclusively Jesus talking. Other than in verse 41, when Peter asks a question, the only other place where there isn't Jesus teaching is in verse one and in verse 13. And so if Jesus is giving a sermon, verse one and verse 13, Provide us with the context or the, the situation in which the words of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, makes sense. And we begin with a crowd trampling. Now this is a strange word: trampling. Because it's not a word that shows up a whole lot in the New Testament. It certainly doesn't show up a lot in the Gospel of Luke. In fact, it only shows up a couple of times. And if we're reading through the Bible and we come across a word or a phrase that sort of seems strange or out of place, it's worth paying attention and digging in. And sometimes the word is just the word and sometimes the word is more than the word. But the image that we should have have in this particular preaching context, is that Jesus is preaching not with people in seats where ushers have helped them in, given programs or an order of service, but the image of the crowd is of Black Friday. And that in order to get close to Jesus, the slider doors have finally been unlocked and the crowd is rushing in and in order to listen, in order to get close, in order to hear and to be fed and to be healed, people are being trampled on. That's the sort of the environment. This is celebration on the Grand, downtown Grand Rapids, not what we experienced this morning. And so what does that have to say with what real threats the people are facing? Because I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where I've been in a crowd and it has not been exactly threatless. Many years ago, we used to go to uh, the Lighting of the Lights, downtown Chicago. Maybe some of you have done that. It's the, the first Saturday after Thanksgiving, and the, the lights on the street all light up at once as Santa and the parade comes down. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who are walking around on Mission, Michigan Avenue. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who are at Lincoln Park Zoo for the Lighting of the Lights. And when you're trying to move around and keep kids close, it's quite claustrophobic, and the one thought is not, oh, this is a lot of fun, but rather, how can I remain safe if something goes wrong? But Jesus, as he's teaching the crowd and as he's teaching his disciples, says... Don't be afraid of people who will trample your body. Verse 4. Don't be afraid of people who will trample your body, who will kill the body and then do no more, but instead be afraid of those who will trample something else. Be on your guard against the things that cause you fear. There's a number of them in this passage. If we were to read the whole thing, we would read in verse 22 about the things that cause our hearts to worry. At the beginning, that he says to disciples, don't worry about the Pharisees and their hard teachings for you. Don't be afraid of what you are worried about. Don't be afraid of your possessions. Don't be afraid of what's to come in the future. But be afraid of those things which can take your heart, corrupt it, pervert it, and send it far away. Be aware. Be aware of what you are afraid of. And trust in the power of the Spirit to help you in the midst of that fear. Now, we need to pause here because in our own day and age, there's a lot of talk about trampling. If we tune into news media on the left and news media on the right and even some in the middle, there's a lot of talk about our rights being trampled on, about being certain groups being trampled on, about if we don't vote a certain way or think a certain way, then we will end up being trampled on and our freedom and our democracy will be trampled on. And Jesus gives us a little bit of a pause and says, don't be afraid of that kind of trampling. Be afraid of the kind of trampling which will corrupt your heart. The kind of trampling that will go beneath the surface and not trample on the body, but the heart, the soul, the life. The kind of trampling that can divide us from God himself. You see, in the Gospel of Luke, there's another place where this word trampling shows up, and it's in the parable of the sower. Now, if we haven't heard the parable of the sower in a while, or we've forgotten it, Jesus tells the story about a sower who throws seed out, and some of it lands among thorns. It doesn't grow, or it grows up a little bit, and then it gets choked. Some of it gets thrown on a path, and it gets trampled on. In other words, when the word of God goes out and the crowd tramples on it or the fears of this life trample on it, the seed will not grow up. The seed of the word of God, the seed of the life in God will be trampled. And instead of growing in order to produce life, to produce fruit, to bear fruit for the good of the world, it will be pressed underfoot and trampled. And so Jesus says, don't fear that kind of trampling. But in the midst of this lesson on trampling, Jesus is interrupted. And on first glance, it would seem that this interruption would have nothing to do with trampling. But if we're paying attention, the first, the brother calls out, my rights are being trampled on. And we can guess that in that day and age, This is a younger brother, because in that day and age, the older brother would have gotten 50% more. And so if there's two brothers, the one brother gets 66%. The younger brother gets 33%. I'm sorry, daughters, you get nothing. If you're another brother, well, you split the 33%, not the 66%. And so this younger brother calls to Jesus and says, Have my brother be fair. My rights are being trampled on. Now, Jesus responds in a way that would suggest to us that he shouldn't be answering this question. Verse 14, if you have your Bible open, Jesus replies, Man, who appointed me a judge between you? But in fact, rabbis were exactly the kind of people that you came to for a problem. In that day and age, if siblings had disagreements, you would go to a rabbi and you would lay the situation out in front of them and then they would make a decision and they would judge between you. But this isn't a small gathering where a rabbi is asked to come in. It's a big gathering where the crowd is trampling on and this brother is using the public nature of this to say, hey! Hey! I'm not getting my way, which is why Jesus says, let me tell you a story. Because the request of the brother misses what Jesus is teaching. And so Jesus responds with a parable, and it's a familiar one if we've been listening in. It's a rich man who yields an abundant harvest. Well, that's not quite right. Verse 16. If you have your Bible open, you'll notice that Jesus says this specifically. What yields the harvest? The ground. Not the work of the hard man, or not the hard work of the man, not the planning or the strategic planning, but the ground yields an abundant harvest, which is to say... That this is a gift of God given to the one who receives it. Not earned, not deserved, but given as a gift. And the man responds not as one who has received the gift to say, How can I in return live generously from the gift that I have been given, but immediately responds with a whole bunch of eyes? Count them with me. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down. There I will store. I'll say to myself, I've got plenty of grain. Take it easy. Drink and be merry. It is not that the ground has given a gift in the mind of this man. It is that he deserves everything. And notice the tense of this man's thinking. I have no place to store my crops, and so here's what I'll do. There's no mentality of, uh, I have to think back and the crops from years past weren't so good and so I need to plan wisely and steward what I've been given. There's no thought of maybe next year there'll be a drought or years in the future there'll be a drought. But there is only this present moment and there is a lesson here for all of us. When we are consumed by the present moment, it is much easier to feel trampled on and go into self-protection mode. If there is no past of what I have come through, how I have been provided for, how God has met my needs before, and there is no future, how will God continue to provide for my needs? How can I steward well? How can I anticipate what will be? But if all there is in this present moment... We will do everything in our power to hold tightly to what we have because all we have feels trampled upon. And we will be this way in our friendships. We will be this way in our marriages. We will be this way in our relationships with our classmates. We will be this way when we think about our finances. We will think this way when we think about our time. Because in the present moment, all of the things of this life press on us. Even on a Labor Day weekend when there's an extra day to rest, most of us are well aware of things pressing on us. The schedules, the financial commitments, the things that are on our minds and our hearts and they press down on us. And it is hard to not feel like we are being trampled on and that we call out to Jesus, Jesus, can you just give me what I deserve? And if we take away the sort of the wealth piece of this parable, and we broaden it. Because most of us have a hard time saying we're rich. And so it's easy to hold this peril by arm's length. But if instead, we see that the way that God deals with this fool has just as much to do with his idea of time as it does with wealth. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared? It is easy when we feel trampled on to hold on and build a silo where we can keep what we have It is much harder to let go, to trust that God will provide for our need and be rich toward him. I want to hit pause before we pick this up again, because there are different kinds of trampling. And the trampling we are talking about here is not of an abusive kind an abusive kind of trampling where we are in a relationship or in a situation that is unhealthy, Jesus is not saying to us, just put up with it. If that is you, please find someone to talk to. There will be people up front after the service. But if our initial response, when we feel pressed, is to hold ever more tighter, We should hear God's critique, God's challenge, and God's invitation in Jesus to be rich toward God. Because in this text, Jesus provides us with the clues to be rich toward God in the midst of the crowd trampling and the context to listen to the word so that our hearts can be open and soft to hear Jesus speak. And in the midst of fears that well up around us to hear that we are more valuable than the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. And God will provide for our needs because he knows the very number of hairs on our head. And when we are unsure of what to say, when we are under the gun, when we are unsure of how to respond in a situation, Jesus says, do not be afraid, for the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say at the time you need to speak. And so our bodies are cared for, our needs are met, our voices are held. And so we can, with open hands, not hold tightly, But be rich toward God. Let's pray. Gracious God, you have been abundantly rich toward us. For while we were poor, you came in the flesh so that we might receive the riches of God. We might receive the righteousness of Christ. We might receive the first fruits of the new creation. God, we, if we look back, are able to see that you have provided for our needs. And that helps us not to live in the present, worried about being trampled on like the rich fool. And so give us generous hearts by the power of your Spirit. Give us generous minds, eyes, and hands so that we might be rich toward you, knowing that where our treasure is There our heart will be also. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.